grab your Bible or your device. We're going to dive into the Word of God here today. Uh, Tammy sends her greeting here. I should have had her come up and I have to do that one of these times. Let Tammy come up and greet y'all. But Tammy, good to have her always as after 30, we just celebrated 34 years of marriage on the 20th. Thank you for those 10 people that are excited about that. So, you know, the longer that I'm married, the more I'm going to celebrate it because how many of y'all know marriage is almost a lost thing in our culture today. So 34 years, so we celebrate that. And I know there's some of y'all that's on, wow, you don't look old enough to be married that long. And for that, I speak blessings upon you, many blessings upon your day. May your nap be sweet this afternoon. For the rest of y'all that said, yeah, he looks that age, I'm praying for you. I want you to know that. Amen. Amen. You know, I was uh, driving in last night, and uh, Tammy pulled out her bag of peanuts there. We're just snacking on the way in. And it reminded me, of a pastor who went to see an elderly woman in his congregation there, and he had been busy throughout the day and didn't have time to stop and eat lunch. And so he's visiting with her in her bed there, and he happens to notice a bowl of peanuts sitting there by the bed. And he said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, my stomach's been rumbling, and I know you've heard it, and said, I haven't had lunch today. Would you mind if I had a cup of your peanuts? And she said, oh, no, go ahead. Help yourself to the peanuts. And so the pastor began to visit with the elderly woman, and their conversation kept going and going on and on. And finally, the pastor, he said, you know, I've got to go. And he said, ma'am, I've got to apologize. He looked down at the bowl and said, I've eaten all your peanuts. He said, I'm so sorry. I ate all your peanuts. She says, oh, that's all right. She says, since my teeth are the way they are, all I can do is suck the chocolate off of them anymore. <laughs> Some of y'all get that here later on. But anyway. good to laugh in church. Amen. If you would, open up your Bible with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, or you can click on your device, and I just want to pause for a moment to, to say hello uh, to the, our online family, for everybody that's watching online today, wherever you're watching at, at any of the connection points. Uh, we want you to know that we appreciate you being with us. Come on, everybody that's here in the sanctuary, let's show our online family how much we appreciate them by just giving them a big old hand clap. Yeah, we welcome you. We welcome you. We pray that you feel the presence of the Lord just as we feel here in this sanctuary today. So Matthew chapter 7, the Lord has been stirring some things really passionately here in my heart over these last few weeks, and uh, really just want to see if I can unpack some things for us here today, because I believe that we're going into some very interesting times. I don't know about you, but as I've lived my life this year and you know, I, I know I was, I was really hoping 2022 would be the year that everything went back to normal from 2020. Anybody with me? But how many of y'all know normal hasn't happened yet? And most likely normal's not going to happen. We're just setting a new normal. And there's just a lot of things been stirring in the spirit, you know. And I mean, here we've been in this season of just seems like ungodly heat. I mean, is there any crazies here today that you've enjoyed the heat? Anybody enjoy the heat? You may not want to raise your hand. We may throw stones at you. I don't know. But, you know, it's just been this summer of incredible heat. You know, here in Guyman, you know, you guys have had 33 days of 100-degree temperature. You know, I, I, you know, the older that I get, the, least, the, the more I don't like the 100-degree temperature. And it could hit 100 degrees today. I was hoping it'd be about 70 out here today. But, you know, you guys... 33 days of 100-degree temperatures. And, and Enid, we've beat you, though. 
We have 35 days. We've had 35 days of temperatures above 100 degrees. 35 days, okay? Now, if you lived in Altus, you would have experienced 65 days of 100. Thank God we live in Guyman. Come on, look at somebody beside tell them, I'm glad I live in this area, not in Altus, right? It seems like that we've been in a season where the heat is proverbially on for so many And I want to just dive into something here that we see in Matthew chapter 7, because as a Christian, when we're in the times when the pressure is on, when the heat is on, there's there's quite a balancing act between living by faith and living in fear. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? There's there's quite a difference between uh, being confident and living in concern, and sometimes it's hard to differentiate you know, how do we live by faith? Or, you know, how do we live confidently in who we are in Christ? And so many times we find ourselves in situations and it's hard to look past the present. And, you know, when you're right in the middle of something, it seems like all you can see is the here and now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we're living really in times of uncertainty. Uncertainty in our nation. We're seeing inflation at a record high. You know, I gassed my truck up, and it stayed under 80 bucks this time when I gassed my truck up. So I'm glad grass prices are coming down, but still, I'm having to pay a lot of money, but not as much as others, you know. You know, it's hard to go to the grocery store, you know, and, you know, you, you barely fill up the bottom of the, the, the grocery cart, and it's, it's 100 bucks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's just, we're living in very uncertain times, and there's a lot of even prophecies being spoken, and I'm I'm not going to get off in any of those things. There's just a lot of stuff being spoken right now that I, I wish I could stand here on the stage and tell you that everybody, all the prophets are saying everything's going to be rosy. It's going to be incredible. You're going to have your best last half of this year that you've ever had. But they're saying quite the opposite right now. A lot of people I'm hearing, a lot of the prophecies I'm hearing right now that they're saying that we're going even into harder times than we've been in. I don't like that. In fact, one of the guys that I've listened to all my life, he Mama will appreciate this. He believes that Jesus is coming back at the end of September here in just a few weeks. So, hey, you might want to get ready. I don't know, but make sure your heart's right if he does. I don't, I don't really know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. So I want to address something here. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, I just, the Lord took me this passage of Scripture here a few weeks ago, and I have not been able to get away from it. Matthew chapter 7. Of course, this is the ending to the, what we know as the Sermon on the Mountain, where Jesus starts out in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, three chapters of Matthew that it, Jesus really just unpacks some of the most simplistic principles of the kingdom of God, because he stands there on the mountainside to begin to just speak. And I, I like the last few verses of Matthew chapter 7, because it says that after Jesus stopped preaching there, he says that people were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished. They they was bewildered because he, what he taught was so simple. He didn't teach as the Pharisees taught that was things that was complicated. He taught them very simplistic things. And it's just a few verses up from the last part of Matthew chapter 7. I want to read here today. It's a little story, a little parable that he tells us about two builders. So Matthew chapter 7, look with me and starting out in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, he said this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a what? To a wise man who built his house upon what? Come on, upon the rock. Verse 25, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. Everybody say this next part with me. 
and it did not fall. Because why? It was founded on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Look at your name and tell them, don't be stupid. Some of y'all really enjoyed that. <laughs> be like a foolish man who built his house upon what? Upon the sand. Verse 27. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon that house. What was the result of that? And it what? And it fell. And it just didn't say it fell, but it says, and great was its fall. As the Lord has taken me to this passage of Scripture these last few weeks, I haven't been able to get away from it. There's several things that the Lord has just ministered to me, and, and with the time we've got together today, I can't give everything. I've been preaching on this over in Enid. You feel free to jump on Spotify, listen to the podcast, or iTunes. There's just, I think, some very specific things the Lord is speaking that when we look into the times that we're living in and what could come, because we even see that in the scriptures that whenever, if, if the, when the end of days come, there, there's some very specific things that Jesus himself even tells. It's going to be some difficult times for so many. But when I look at the story that Jesus tells here in Matthew chapter 7 of the two builders there, we see a wise builder and a foolish builder. So he already quickly identifies, there's, we could say there's two types of people. Two types of people. There are those that are wise and those that are foolish. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, look at me, I'm wise. Don't I look wise? Come on, just say, I'm a wise one. Come on, say, I'm a wise one right there, right? But we look in this and we see the storms came. The storms came. The storms came and blew up on both houses. One stood, one did not. So what determined the success of the two houses? Was it the storm? No. Was, was it the, the, the roof? No. What determined the success of the two houses? It was the foundation. Come on, everybody say the foundation. The foundation. The foundation determined which one with, withheld, with lasted, outlasted the storm. Now, there are many people here today, good Christian people, that are going to, through the proverbial storms of life right now. See, I believe there's three types of people. There's those that's been in a storm. And how many of y'all have ever been in a storm of life? Come on, how many of y'all have ever had something happen in your life unexpected, and it was like, man, I do not want to do this, right? There are those that are in the middle of a storm right now. Anybody want to admit you're in the middle of a storm? You're in the middle of a challenge right now, some of y'all, okay? And there's the third type of people, those that will go through the storm, <laughs> So wherever you're at in that journey, you've got to understand that the storm is not the important piece to it. The storm simply is there to test the foundation of with which the, the structure is built upon. In other words, if you're married here today, the storms could look like this. You're going to go through a season where the foundation of your marriage will be tested. If you're a business person, you may have been or in one or may go through one, a, a season where you may be going through a storm, but it's going to determine how strong is that business. Parents, families, we all go through storms. The storms are simply the test to determine the foundation, the strength, and the character of the foundation. And I'll get into that here in a few more moments. The importance of a foundation. The foundation, the, the, the importance of that is then, and do I have that picture there? Would you throw that up for me, Jeannie, there? One of the most famous foundation failures is what? Anybody know what that is? The Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? 
The Leaning Tower of Pisa, in the words of the Goofy movie years ago, it's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. But anyway, I just have to, every time I think of that, I think of that Goofy movie part right there. But anyway, um, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, this is a prime example of what happens when the foundation is not taken care of. This is something that start, they started building in the 12th century, and they, this is something that has been built over years after years after years. In fact, when they realized that the foundation was not structurally sound, uh, they only had two or three floors built of this thing. Instead of tearing it down, they tried to see what they could do to manipulate the structure to make it sound. In fact, that side that is on the the, the leaning back side uh, is actually taller than the, the columns on the left side. There, it actually, there's a curvature to it because this was built over hundreds of years there. But the thing is, they began to build this thing and they realized that they had a problem, that the, the foundation was not strong enough to withhold the structure that would be erected there. Now, I'm here to tell you, I believe that God is building our lives today. Come on, he's building this church. Come on, how many of you know he's still in the process of building us? Amen. Come on, none of us have arrived. We're still, all of us are in the building process. But the thing that I really want to address here today, that the important part of our life is not what you see, but it's about what you don't see. It is about the foundation. So let's talk about a couple things here. And I just, again, uh, in the words of Smokey and the Bandit from years ago, I've got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So I'm just going to dive right in here. Just a couple of points that I'm going to leave us with here today. Number one is this. Storms are part of our human experience. Storms are a part of our human experience. Look with me at John chapter 16, verse 33, but I want to read it to you out of the Message Bible here. This is a familiar portion of Scripture. This Scripture, over the years of my life, have become a revelation to me. But in the Message Bible, it says this. Jesus answered them and says, do you finally believe? Come on, how many of y'all believe in Jesus today? Let me hear you today. He says, in fact, he says, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me, but I am not abandoned. The Father is with me, and I've told you all, these, all this so that trusting in me, everybody say, I'm trusting in Jesus today. Amen. That trusting in me, that is the key. Do you trust Jesus today? Amen. Come on, do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with your marriage? Do you trust him with your family? Come on, do you trust him with your business? How many of y'all trust Jesus today? Let me hear you again. All that is so that trusting in me, you will be what? Unshakable and assured. That in him you will be unshakable and assured deeply at what? Peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Anybody had any difficulties in their life before? Oh. He says in this godless world, you're going to have those difficulties. He says, but take heart. He says, I've conquered the world. But the part, just flip back there, Jeannie, to that first slide there of that scripture there. He says that you will be what? Unshakable. Come on, as we go into whatever comes in our future, we've got to be unshakable. Victory Center Church, we've got to be unshakable. Come on, we are in a transition time. Things are just, you know, it, it was like the, the box of crayons got up ended, you know, 1st of January this year. We've been working to put them back together. Come on, we've got to be people that are unshakable no matter what comes in our life. Come on, I want you to say, I'm unshakable. unshakable. Come on, we are unshakable people. We're serving God. We are unshakable. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There's many of y'all here in this room today. You know me. You watched me grow up. I mean, back with this church started. Mom and dad started this church back in November of 1977. That was a few days ago, right? 
I grew up in this church. I mean, I still remember when we moved into this church. I still remember, and the grease on the floor, I still remember that little trough that ran right under, you know, about where the Haydens are, right through there. It was a big trough where the, you know, because this was a shop where they worked on the cars, where they kind of washed all that stuff in, then it drained out. I remember that stuff. Man, I, I, I remember, you know, the, there used to be a wall right here about where the wagon's at. I still remember when we built that wall, and I remember when we tore it down. I remember the old gymnasium, the basketball goal we used to have out there. I remember hanging all those lights. I'm still, every time I come, I'm going to wonder, why are those old lights still up there? I put them up there about 40 years ago, and they're still hanging. We're not using them. Somebody ought to take those lights down. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that when I get some extra time. I remember all this stuff. I mean, Victory Center Church is in me. I, it's DNA. I, I am part of Victory Center Church. But, you know, I've been gone. You know, Tammy and I went to Enid to start the church and uh, there in Enid, and we left here in December of 1997. You know, still there today. Still, still just, man, we're declaring the Word of God in Enid, Oklahoma. But, you know, I am not the same Brad Mendenhall today that I was back when we moved to Enid. I mean, man, I, we've had a lot of life happen, like so many of y'all. You know, all of our life, we have always had, because we've been in full-time ministry, always had side businesses, things to try to create some additional streams of income because, you know, you, you don't go into ministry to make a lot of money. Let me just say it that way, all right? But, you know, we've always had these side businesses when we were here before we left. We had a little RV business, you know, off down here on the corner. Uh, when we went to Enid, my brother-in-law took it over, their Oasis RV you know, I don't know how many of y'all remember that, but you know, even over there in the end, we're like, man, we're just trying to make some additional income. So we've always kind of bartered, bartered, bought and sold, and, you know, these things. And so we ended up starting uh, doing the same thing over there in the end and started this little RV business. We're over there. We've got the church. Church is rocking on. Church is doing good. Man, we're starting to see God do great things in the church, but we just needed some extra income just to get by. You know, I mean, I'm married to Tammy, got four kids. I mean, it's, you know, takes a lot to live. And so we started this little, on the corner, just this little buying and selling RVs. You know, Tammy's dad and her family had been in RVs all their life, and it's just something we knew. It's just kind of a, like mom's been preaching about it, it was just kind of a rhythm to our life that fit. And so we started buying and selling RVs. Well, it started being really successful. Started growing, started a lot of business, and of course, our whole focus has always been the church. And, and so we had a relative come in and said, you know, this thing's growing, doing well, and He'd been in the RV business all of his life, and so he said, you know what, once you let me run this business for you so you can focus on ministry, I'm thinking, yes, that's an answer to prayer. And so we handed the business over to him, and we went to full-time, I mean, we were just, let him worry about the business. Well, 2008 hit. I don't know if anybody remembers 2008, but man, there was a major uh, economic crash here in the United States of America. It was nasty. Well, long and short of the story, let me tell you what happened to that. Listen, here's a young couple, man, we're full of faith, we're full of the Holy Ghost, we're like praising God, we're building the kingdom of God in Enid, Oklahoma. Suddenly, I'm stuck, stuck in this vortex of a failed business. And I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? And you know, and I am like, you know what, I, I'm full of faith, you know, God, you're going to protect us from going through anything harmful with this business, yeah, you know, it's, it's failed, uh, there's, there's a lot of questions, there's all the banks that are wanting money, all this stuff. I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, you're going to keep us protected from this. We didn't do anything wrong, we're innocent, you know, and let me tell you, it was in 2008 that we went through a year of hell. I heard a man say pre-2008, he said, man, I think everybody goes through a year from hell. And I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm not going to do that. And then 2008 come along. 
Guess what 2008 was for us? It was the storm. It was the storm of our life. Everything that I valued in my life, my honesty, my integrity, my word, was suddenly tried. And we went through hell because of a failed business. And let me tell you, church side, everything's great. I had to stand in the pulpit and preach about the power of God, and preach about standing in faith and believing God, walking in joy when my personal life has fallen apart because of this business. Stuck in this thing. I tell you, it was not a year that I would wish upon anybody. And I'm going through 2008, and man, I am mad because I'm like, God, why aren't you delivering me like I want you to deliver me? And there's a lot of things I learned in my 2008. One thing I learned was this. Sometimes God keeps us from the fire. There's other times we go through the fire, but he does not leave us. He goes with us through the fire. 2008 was our year of the fire. But I also know this, when you go through the fire, you always come out better than before. Amen? Amen? Now, I'll, I'll save the rest of the story for a few comments. I want you to look at something in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Talking about the foundation, what does your foundation look like? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Now, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, okay? If you don't have a New Living Translation, if you don't have a digital device, just you can look at the screen. It says this, anyone who builds on that foundation. Now, this is Apostle Paul. He's speaking to some things here, some very critical things here in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. He says this, anyone who builds on that foundation, everybody say foundation, may use a variety of materials, may use what? Gold, silver. Come on, how many of y'all like some gold? Come on, how many of y'all like some silver? How many of y'all like some jewels? But he also goes on and says, he, he lumps this into not just the gold, the silver, and the jewels, but also what? Wood, hay, and what else? Straw. And straw. Verse 13, but on that judgment day, come on, everybody say judgment day. On that judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If that work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Verse 15, but if the work is what? Come on, if it's burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. See, the reality is this, that we are all going to go through storms, but the truth of the matter is also that when we properly handle the storms, the storms will make us better. It'll make us stronger. Jesus uses the story. The wise builder built his house upon what? Come on, the rock. The foolish man built his house upon it. I should have brought a big old bucket of sand and just laid out a bunch of sand up here. You know what's interesting about sand? If I had a five-gallon five bucket of sand, it almost weighs as much as these blocks do. Sand is heavy. But yet there's no integrity to the sand, and it quickly moves when the pressure is put upon it. But we have to all ask ourselves the question that I'm hoping that you're reflecting on today. How strong is your foundation? How strong is your foundation? And you know how you can make your foundation stronger? Go through a storm. Have some trials and tribulations. Oh, that's a whole other message that I could preach, man. I could preach a whole series on this here today. But we got to understand, 1 Peter chapter 4 says it this way in the Message Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. This message says this, friends, when your life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know God's on the job? He's working for you today. Amen. Verse 13. Instead, he says, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. He says, this is a spiritual, come on, everybody look, do you guys see that? This is a spiritual what? This is a spiritual refining process 
with glory <laughs> just around the corner. The storms come. The second thought that I've got to leave us with is this. The foundation determines the success. See, when the storm is raging, that's not a good time to try to work on your foundation. When the storm is raging, that's the time just to pull back in on the foundation that you have in your life. I'll never forget back, and I think it was, uh, gosh, it had to be back 2011, 2013, that it's a Saturday evening. We have these storms building outside of Enid, Tammy and I. I mean, we're going to bed, got church the next day, the kids are out at a school function, and uh, you know, there was these tornado warnings going on, and uh, Tammy's sister calls us. I mean, we turn the lights up, we're in bed, and Tammy's sister-in-law calls us. She says, oh my gosh, it's coming right at you. We're like, what? what? She says, it's a tornado coming right at you. And so we did what every good Oklahoman does whenever you hear about a tornado coming, we quickly ran outside. I want to see it, right? I've, you know, I've lived in the Texas Panhandle. I was born in Texas Panhandle. I've lived in Oklahoma all my life. And I had never seen a tornado in, with my own eyes. I used to tell people all the time, you know, I've never seen a tornado. I've lived in, you know, people here, oh, you live in Oklahoma. Aren't you afraid of the tornado? I was like, I've never seen a tornado before. You know, I've seen it on TV. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I stood out there. I mean, it's nighttime. And there was this eerie feeling. And I heard the going and i look back into town and about this time we live out on the edge of town there's a big wheat field there that's probably a quarter section between us and the next housing development and so i'm here this and i mean it kind of the hair was standing up on my arms and everything and i'm like oh whoa this is a little more serious than i thought about that time a lightning happens and I'm looking into town to see a tornado and what I saw just like holy cow because I'm looking at the horizon for a tornado but when the lightning flashed I wasn't looking here suddenly I was like looking here because I mean it was just a few hundred yards away and it was probably I'd say about an F1 maybe an F2 it wasn't those massive vortex tornadoes <laughs> and so you know what I did I quickly ran back in the house <laughs> I still remember calling my, Charlie, Pop, my, my dad, Pastor Charlie, and said, there's a tornado outside, pray! And I got up, and I'm like, I am looking. Now, I got a transparency, I got to say this. The first thought I had was not running for safe. I got to put some clothes on. Because <laughs> something happens in our house, I can't be found in my underwear running or, you know, in the <laughs> so I threw some clothes on. And then we go and got in the bathroom. Why did we do that? Because we were being taught to find a stable place in a house. We didn't have a Frady hole, still don't have one, but find a safe place in your house. Of course, as we're going, I'm stopping. I'm saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not come nigh our property. I plead the blood of Jesus over our property. And then we went and took shelter. Well, a couple minutes passed, you know, and just nothing happened. And so we're, you know, go back, and, okay, let's go check things out. You know, we... Kind of looked around the house. We still had a roof on our head and all that. And so we stepped outside. It was just this eerie feeling because you look back into town, there was no lights on. It was just this dead silence. And then we heard sirens, you know, in town. You know, where it had come through the north part of Enid there. And we're like, you know, we're like, man. So we're like, I can't go to bed, man. Let's go check this out. You know, so we jump in our car and uh, there's this road where we're going to town at. And we kept noticing there were some other people kind of out checking things out. And 
they'd go down a little ways, they'd stop, they'd come back and go another way. And they're like, what's going on? So we went down there. Well, there was this, it was, it was a gun range at the time. The torn- it had got hit by this tornado and just took all the debris and just covered it over the road where we couldn't get out of the highway. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy. And so the next few days, we began to look at the line of destruction. I took a city map even and started looking at all these plots where this tornado had come through Enid. And it was here, it was here, it was here. And I took a ruler, laid it down on all those, and the path that that tornado was taking was coming right to our front yard. It was a perfect line. But when I saw it outside and I started rebuking it, that thing took a 45-degree turn and went north in that thing. Pretty crazy. I'd heard of people doing that before. I'd never done it until that year. So, man, I tell you, you better watch out tornadoes in Jesus' name. Amen. Remind me of the authority that we have over those things. But the thing that I'm saying is this. It's in the time of a storm. that You're not trying to throw a freighty hole in the ground and try to build a structure. You go in and you rely upon the foundation that you already got in your life. Thus, hear me well. That's why it's important what you're doing here now today. Sitting in that chair, listening online. What are you doing? You're working on your foundation. Your foundation of faith your foundation of trust. You're working on your foundation. Never neglect the time of attending a church service because you're working on your foundation. And you never know when you're going to need to use what you've been taught somewhere when you're like, you know, my life's okay. Storms may come, all right? Y'all all right with that? The foundation, number two is this, the foundation determines the success. The success It was in 2008 when I'm going through this massive storm in 2008 in our life, when our life seems to be this personal life, just we stuck in this vortex, this thing, it seemed like everything's being ripped apart, that the Lord gave me Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Because it's in the storm that we got to realize that the only thing that is unshakable is the Word of God. Come on, how many of y'all love the Word of God? Do you love the Word of God here at Victory Center? Listen, you can have opinions, you can take advice, but I am a true believer. There's nothing that will sustain you in a time of a storm like the Word of God will. If you're in the middle of a storm, get a word from God. Get into the Word of God. Amen? It was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. The Lord gave me this. He says, when you pass through the waters, he says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you what? With the fire? I'm like, Lord, I don't want to walk through the fire. I want you to deliver me from the fire. But he said, what, when you what? Walk through the fire. He said, you're not going to be burned, baby. That's the Brad version. I'm sorry. You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Amen. That was a word. I had to take that word of God because the storm has shaken my life. And for me to make it to the storm, I had to get on the foundation of the Word of God of that Isaiah chapter 43. I had to get on the foundation saying this, Lord God, I know that I'm going through this time, but Lord, you're with me, so I know you're going to deliver me in Jesus' name. And I began to believe what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through when they went through the fiery furnace. That's a reference. If you don't know that story, go back and read that in the book of Daniel. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they was believing God the whole time. But what they went into bound in was broke off of them in the fire, and they went in bound, but they came out free. Come on, I prophesy that over every one of y'all that are in the middle of a storm right now. You may go in one way, but you're going to leave better off in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say, Pastor's talking about me right now. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, Pastor's talking about you right now. Come on, come on. How do you know if your foundation is strong? Listen, you know, Tammy and I, we've been doing, now we're into the real estate investments, and Tammy is now actually a realtor, which is pretty cool. 
But I have quickly learned this principle. Something can look absolutely incredible on the outside. It can be decorated beautifully on the inside. It can have a brand new roof. But the part that you can't see is the most important part of the structure, the foundation. How do you know if your foundation is strong? Well, I wrote down just three things. Let me just throw them at you real quickly. Number one is this. What comes out of you when the heat is on? Come on, does fear come out or does faith come out? Does worry come out or does the scriptures of God come out of your life? That's a one way to determine it. Ha, the last few years, it gets, pardon me, the redneck side of me, you know, just growing up out here, I, I love the outdoors, man. I'm, I take after my dad. I, I hunt as much as we can. This is the first year I ever, I've been able to hunt year round because I've been hunting feral pigs now. So over around Fairview. And so there was this one particular, I've got a couple buddies that go out and hunting with us. They're good Christian guys. Hey, when I'm with them, man, they're always talking some good stuff, man. Not one of them has cussed in front of me. But there's this one particular night that we thought we had shot a pig about 200 yards down, and we was on the backside of this big old pond, and the backside of this big old pond was this big old area of cattails. It was just, just solid cattails. You couldn't get into that. And so this is nighttime. We've only got green lights. And so we go looking for this pig that we thought we'd shot, and we kept hearing this rustling inside of these cattails. And uh, we kept, oh, my gosh, that pig is in the cattails. And one of my buddies is sitting there, and all of a sudden, there's this, all this rustling of the cattails, and it's coming at him. Let me tell you, he started letting out some explicitives and running away, man. He thought that pig was coming out to get him. I laughed so hard about that. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. I said, no, what is inside of you is going to come out when the pressure's on. <laughs> so you better make sure you got some good stuff put in you. Amen. Come on, does the word come out of you when you have a challenge? Come on, does faith come out of you? Does the declarations of your heart line up to what God's Word says? Come on, we know we're all going to have some challenges in our life. That's why we are so adamant here at Victory Center and World Harvest. We want to know the Word of God. We've got to get a hold of the Word of God in our life. How much do you value the Word of God? Number two, I wrote this down. How do you know what's in you? Do you find yourself swaying back and forth between worry and confidence when trials come? James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you find yourself swaying between fear and faith, you've got to work on the foundation, baby. Come on, you need some foundation work, right? Number three, I wrote this down. Are you uncertain about your future? Are you uncertain about your future right now? If you're uncertain about your future right now, you need to work on the foundation. Amen? And how many of y'all are willing to do the work? Come on, if your marriage is having problems right now, you better get some foundation work done. If you're having some financial issues, you better make sure the foundation of your money's fine. Better make sure that you're operating on a budget and you're honoring God. Amen? Come on. In your body, you better make sure that your input, your diet, and your output, your exercise, that's your foundation, right? Come on. In your business, come on. Your cash flow, your customer base, come on. That's your foundation. Work on the foundation. Look at your neighbor and touch them there. Nudge them there and say, come on, work on the foundation. Let me give you a third and final point. Third and final point, then I'm going to wrap this up today. Now, remember Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about the two houses. There was two types of builder. What were the two types of builder? He said one was what? Wise. The other one was what? They built the same house. Now, I, I, this is my theory. I think they built the same house. I just wonder if you would have looked at the two houses. This is, I, Jesus tells the parable. It was, it was a parable he told. So I'm just, let me take some liberty with it. I wonder if they had the very same house. If you would have looked at those two houses on the outside, you're like, oh my goodness, those are twin houses. I don't know, maybe so, right? Is it possible that two people 
going to look at one thing and see two different things. Let me, this is my third and final point. The storms you face, the life you face, it's a matter of perspective. Everybody say perspective. Let me just give you a little bit of example of perspective here today. In other words, how right is your perspective? Okay? How right is your perspective? This is what I've learned. How many of y'all, oh, let me just make this statement, not in a, let me make, make it a statement, not a question. What you see may not be the reality. Our human mind can play tricks on us, okay? How right is your perspective? Okay, very simple. I'm just going to show you a series of slides. I'm going to show you another slide here, and I want you to count how many black dots you see in this next slide. Everybody, real simple, okay? Count the black dots. Are we ready to go? Count the black dots for me. Anybody? How many black dots? Zero. When you first looked at it, like, oh, that, that's going to be easy. But what happened? When you began to focus on the dot, what you thought was black, all of a sudden turned. In your peripheral vision, you see the black dots. But when you change your focus to it, what happens? The black dot goes away. It's a matter of perspective. Okay? Okay, this next slide, which way is this guy looking? When I show you this, you're going to see a half of a face. Tell me which way you think he's looking. Straight. The guy's looking straight. How many of y'all say the guy's looking straight? I don't think he's looking. I think he's looking to the side. Okay, do you see that? Okay, those of you that said he's looking straight, how many of y'all can see? Oh, my goodness, I see that he's looking to the side now. Anybody? Okay. You see over there his nose, right? So if you look at, get, get a perspective, it's a shift of your perspective. Okay. Now, how many of y'all saw it one way, but now you see it another way? Okay, let's look at another one. Let's see, what do you see? How many of y'all see a young lady? Let me see your hands. How many of y'all see the young lady looking away? You know what I see? I see an old lady with her chin tucked underneath her looking sideways. Could it be that we're both right? Yeah, come on, how many? Okay, those of you who saw the young lady, how many of y'all see the old lady now? Do you see the, you don't see the old lady? This is her chin, big chin, mouth right there, big old nose right there. This is the side view, and then her eyeball right there. You see that? Can we do a couple more? I know we're having, I, I just, this is fun. Can we do a couple more? Yeah. Y'all want a couple more? Yeah. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? How many of y'all see the, 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 the Indian? Come on, you can see that Indian there, just bold, just it looks like a statue of an Indian. You see the Indian? How many of y'all see the Indian? You know what I see? I see an Eskimo going into his igloo there unlocking his door. <laughs> you see that now? Can we do a couple more? How about this? What do you see? Oh, you guys are catching on pretty quick. You see the crow with his eye and the beak off there to the right side? How many of y'all see the cat with his head twisted back and you see his eye? Mom, what did you, did you see the cat first or the crow? The cat lover sees the cat first. <laughs> it's a matter of what? Perspective. Let's do, let's do this one. I, I got just a couple more. I just, I'm having fun, so I don't want to quit. <laughs> is this lady leading the horse in or is that horse, is the lady leading the horse out? Are you sure? 
Okay, listen, I'm, I need to show you something. Your mind is a very powerful tool. And your perspective, there's a way you see things, but you, sometimes what you see can be something also different. Okay? So if you see, make, 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 look at the picture and make the picture with the lady leading the horse out. You see that? Okay, now make your mind see it opposite coming in. Do you see that? Okay. All right. It's a matter of perspective. Which one of these center dots, okay, which dot is the largest? Which center dot is the largest? Dean, what'd you say? Or who said that? Hayden? They're the same. Landry, I don't know who that was, Dean or Landry. They're the same. The center dots are the same. The center dot is the same. What's going on? Your mind, you see things a certain way. Are the columns round or are they square? Take your hand and cover up the bottom half. You see the square? Take your hand and cover up the top half. You see the round. Perspective. Could it be what you see in the natural is not truly what it is? How about this one? I've got to do this one for you guys. This is a hard one, okay? How many of y'all see the frog? How many of y'all see a horse? Let me show you the horse. It's actually, you got to turn it. So there's the frog. There's the horse. Okay. Somebody tell me who that is. Who said that? Marilyn Monroe. That is a picture of Albert Einstein and Marilyn Monroe together. Squint your eyes a little bit. That's a hard one to see. That's a hard one to see. Got that? Let me show you this scripture right quick, and I'm wrapping up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Let me show you this scripture, 2 Kings. 2 Kings. This story, I don't have time to give you the background of the story. It's prophet Elijah great man of God. He is the king of Syria is fighting against the Israelites. But every time the king of Syria goes to attack, the Lord speaks to Elijah and the Lord tells the prophet what he's going to do. And the prophet goes tells the king of Israel. So everything that the king of Syria is trying to do is thwarted. And so the king of Syria, I mean, he's like talking to his cabinet, like who have you guys, you know, who's the mole in my organization? Who's, who's the spy? And somebody pipes up and says, we're not a spy. He says, what happens is what we plan in secret, God, the God of the Israelites, reveals to the prophet, and the prophet tells the king. So the king of Syria is, well, let's go take out Elisha. Let's go solve the problem. Let's go kill Elisha. So he finds out where Elisha and his servant is, and he's in Dothan. Go ahead, Jenny, and throw that, Jeannie, throw that up there. So in the morning, you know, the army has surrounded Doth in the town. The, the, the helper, the assistant to Prophet Elijah gets up and is like, oh my gosh, there is, the army is here. This is in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, he says, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what in the world are we going to do? Verse 16. 
So he, Elijah, answered. He said, do not fear for those who are, come on, read it with me, with us are more than those who are with them. Wait a minute. Two men seeing the same picture, they see different things. The servant sees the natural, the prophet sees what God's doing. So Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray. He says, open his, come on, say it with me, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. Now listen, we're talking about a perspective, a shift of perspective. Shift of perspective. Just like that little, little fun stuff we did a minute ago with the pictures. It's a shift of perspective. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Open our eyes. What am I saying? When you're going through something, please don't respond with a freak out moment. <laughs> Lord God, what's going on? We probably all have those moments, right? Just get on your foundation, the foundation of the Word of God, and just decide. As the scripture said earlier, you're going to be unshakable. Come on, everybody say, I'm unshakable. And then begin to ask God for his perspective on that situation. Right? I have, I've had to do this many times in my life. 2008 was my first really baptism of fire that I had to do this. I had to get to the place that I trusted God with my life, trusted God with the situation. I had to trust him that he'd lead us out of that situation. And you know what he did? He led us out of that. If I could say there's ever, uh, if I could identify one moment in my life that has transformed me more into the image of God than any other moment, it was my year of 2008. 2008. The next second moment in my life would be March of 2000 when we went through the pandemic. When I had to stand on stage and preach to an empty sanctuary for the first time in my life. That's, I'll save that for another time. How strong is your foundation? If you've been in a shaking, if you're in a shaking right now, if there's a shaking coming, let me tell you, don't worry about what's causing the shaking. Just you keep strong. Keep strong. Come on, say, I'm going to keep strong. Church, we went through a major shaking. End of December, January, February. I feel being an apostolic person, Victor Center, I feel think we've stabilized as a church. I think I can probably speak for every one of us that January the 1st was a storm, was a shaking like no other when Pastor Charlie went to heaven. Myself, well, we're all, we're all in this. So instead of saying me, let me say us. We. What happened? I think every one of us, everything that we believed was shaken. I, 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 I'm going to make a bold statement here. There's probably not one of y'all in this room today that had questions immediately after that. Why? Why? What was that? That was a shaking. Just to sum up this for all of us, you know what? I believe that God is still good even when it seems like He's not. I believe God still heals even when I may not see it the way I want to see it. 
Come on, I believe that God's still got a plan for Victory Center Church. Amen. I believe that His plans are good. Amen. Come on, I believe that our future is bright. I believe that our best days lie before us, that our best days of Victory Center Church are not in the past, but we are living in times like no other. And God wants to use Victory Center Church like no other time to be salt, to be light, to build the kingdom of God in this region of Oklahoma, that He wants us to get that building out there completed. Not so we'll have a wonderful church, building, but so that we will have a tool to more effectively minister to the hurting, to the lost, to those that will come, to those that will come in hurt, but they'll get healed, and we'll be able to send them out into the nations. We'll be able to send them to the lost. We'll be able to begin to send them to the needy. And let me tell you, God's plans are still good. Why can we say that? Because we've got a firm foundation. Had a man at World Harvest Church a few weeks ago. He said, Pastor Brad, he said, I wanted you to know something because I told the story of my dad passing, of Pastor Charlie passing. He says, my mother died two years ago. And he said, instead of going to the Word of God, he says, I went in frustration and disappointment. I went to drugs and alcohol. And it sent me on a downhill spiral, and he's ended up in prison. He said, I remember, though, I had a choice to make. I could have moved to a firm foundation, but he said, instead of doing that, I went to the world. We all have the choice to make. Where will you stand? It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.